The Dudes of Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. In celebration of their newly launched WCI newsstand platform, Wing Chun Illustrated is giving listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast a free one-month all-access subscription. Go to wcinewsstand.com and click the register button in the upper right corner. Use voucher code FREE4U. That's F-R-E-E, the number four, and the letter U, all caps. Don't forget to activate your account by clicking the link in the welcome message. The Dudes of Kung Fu love Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your host, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. And for take three. Doing good, man. Sorry, I'm totally pulling a Sean tonight. I apologize for that. (laughs) Usually the technical audio difficulties are on Sean's side, but tonight they're on my side. I'm um, using the screw up, but tonight it's Alex and I'm loving every second of it. (laughs) Yeah, there are people out there who just wait for you to screw up, aren't they? They're just waiting for that moment, right? I think they not only just wait, I think they bet on it. I think they count on it. I think they root for it. Yes, yes, yes. So how you been, man? How's your uh how you're still working from home, I presume, right? Yes, I'm still working from home and I I think for the foreseeable future I'll be working from home at least for the next month or so. You know, right, um right. it's uh it was it was a little bit we had you know, we had blackouts here in New York last week and um so we had no power for a day. So I I couldn't work and then couple of my co-workers had no power so it's been a little interesting last last week was a little interesting when it came to getting work done but um but today i kept my fat ass in the air conditioning and worked all day so it was nice not too bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah that yeah that was weird last week we had that crazy storm i actually drove to the school right before the storm really hit and the storm happened while i was at the school doing photo shoots for my upcoming wooden dummy book and we kind of didn't even realize there was a storm going on. And then we drove back uh, to Queens and there are like trees all over the road. Cars were smashed, which, <coughs> even on our block. And it was like all of this had happened, you know, in the time span of a few hours while we were taking photos in in blissful ignorance of this like chaos that was going on around us. It was totally wild. Yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was pretty bad. Uh, Staten Island got hit pretty hard as far as... Uh... With, with, with trees down and I really think and I, I'm not getting political here but I just think you know the city lately has um, in, in some of its cost cutting has not done proper update on the trees and keeping the trees properly trimmed of dead branches and things and now right. a, a bad storm hits and all these dead limbs start falling out of trees and crushing cars and taking out power lines it's uh, it's, it's not good yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, yeah, and also this this whole week, uh, I actually launched some new venture for our school. We're doing an online Wing Chun Academy, which is like something I never would have thought in a million years I would do, uh, especially pre, you know, pandemic and all that stuff. But since we were teaching classes online for our current student base, we kept getting requests from Wing Chun people all over the world that they wanted to join, and so we actually set it up with a schedule that also can accommodate uh, people from Europe and people from other parts of the world 
and we did our first trial this week and yeah it's crazy i'm teaching classes this week and i have our normal students in there and then we got people from you know germany italy from all over the world and it's just crazy to see that some people will even come to my evening classes who are from europe and it's like <laughs> hey it's it's 8 p.m here in new york how how late it's six hours ahead in europe and these guys are like yeah we're, they're up for my class and it's totally wild so um super cool to do this and and to give people the opportunity to learn hong kong style wing chun regardless of where um, you know where they live and 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 so it's it's interesting how this pandemic has kind of forced us uh, to adapt in a way that I think is actually pretty good so you know um, it's a new venture for me so that's kind of exciting I think it's wonderful it's another example of the internet making the world smaller you know it's yeah. here you are guys training with you and from all over the world and that's just it's just a wonderful thing you know I think it's, uh, it's yeah. exciting yeah, I think it's always weird, you know, for martial artists, because for the longest time, anytime you were going to say you were going to teach people through video or nowadays online course, there's always kind of the the feeling of like, oh, now anybody can just learn or maybe it's a little bit watered down. But what, what we've done is uh, we have curriculum cards at, at our school. I basically codified the entire Wing Chun system from lesson one to the final lesson of the knives. So students come and they, they get a curriculum card based on what level they're at. And we teach according to a cycle. And this allows us to make sure that we teach everyone everything. And so normally in pre-pandemic time, students come, they take up their card. Uh, the instructor, you know, teaches the lesson at the end of the night, they sign off the card. Okay. Today they did, you know, in sparring and they did this kick defense or whatever it was so that we have a record of what everyone um, does. We made all those cards digital so we no longer need the physical cards. So now when people come to our online academy, both our own students and the visitors, we actually give them a curriculum card based on what level they're at and provided that their video is on so we know that they're actually training (laughs) well actually we'll give them credit that they did the lesson of course we're not giving anyone ranks or leveling anyone up or giving any certificates through this but at least people can get credit that you know they learned this lesson on pakta or this lesson on some buji thing or whatever and so when they do have the chance to come and visit our schools, we'll actually have a record of what they have learned online. And the instructor can kind of check them and then make sure that they can actually do it, not just that they had learned it virtually. But at least it gives us a way of tracking um, what people have seen and what they haven't seen. And this um, makes things a lot more transparent in terms of having standards and okay what have you learned what have you not learned yet we can literally look at a digital record and pick up with the student right where they left off so um and this includes the people who are coming to our online academy so it's uh it's interesting to have all these kind of new things that you know six months ago we didn't even have so super excited about that for your online people have you noticed i'm sure not that it's restricted to but have you noticed it being mostly wt people or have you, are there other lineages um, involved or Yes. So obviously, um, I, you know, people in the WT line know who I am, especially in Europe, if they want to learn kind of Wing Chun of a more Hong Kong flavor. um, I'm kind of the go to guy because I I teach it without the kind of BS politics you get if you go to Hong Kong or teach from the scores of other Hong Kong guys who will teach you. But it's kind of like joining the mafia if you want to learn from them. 
Uh, whereas with me, it's it's a lot it's a lot more simple. Um, obviously, yeah, mostly WT people, but um, we have a bunch of people from other Wing Chun lineages. Of course, uh, the the difficulty is always placing them. If they had learned Buji in their line, that doesn't necessarily mean they know anything about our progression through the Chum Q or the fighting applications or how we do sparring or how we do Chi Sao. So um, we we have to kind of do it on a case by case basis and see okay where are we actually going to place you. But it would be like. 80%, maybe even 90% WT people, and a couple self-taught Wing Chun people did the free trial. So, um, you know, people who are real Wing Chun enthusiasts who, let's say, they live in the Midwest and have no access to qualified Wing Chun instruction, and you see them and they show up in, like, a full kind of Chinese online. They have, like, the full Chinese Kung Fu outfit, which we don't wear at our school, but you can tell they're super into it, and some of them have, like, probably taught themselves from YouTube, not because they're trying to shortcut the sure, line no, but because they, they really they really don't have another chance and they're so excited uh to you know be able to learn from me or my team or whatever so it's really cool uh it's not something i would have done years ago um but i also think i didn't have the maturity years ago to be like all right um i can also not just teach my own students that are you know loyal and there i'm going to give them all my my knowledge and my secrets but I can also be in a position where I can help people who just really want to learn Wing Chun. And maybe they're not going to become uh, an instructor or become high level in my association. But what they learn, even online, can enrich their lives and make them happy because they enjoy it. They want to do it. They see the Yip Man movie. There's no one in their town that's going to teach them Wing Chun. And now they can learn from a whole, you know, we have uh, four Sifus teaching live. So it's me. Uh, we have uh, Sifu Nicole, whom you've met, uh, Sifu Barry, and uh, Sifu Ethan. Actually, no, uh, uh, and of course, Sifu Craig. So five plus me. So um, I have a whole Sifu team. So everyone who's teaching is a qualified Sifu. Our Brooklyn instructor teaches. Our Jersey instructor teaches. So, um, yeah, they're really quite lucky. These are all highly qualified instructors, many of them with their own schools and many years of teaching. So um, super excited about that. That's wonderful, dude. I really like that. You know, because it gives people, yeah. like you said, it gives people an opportunity that really have a, a a desire to learn, an avenue to go to. And there was a time, and not and not that long ago, the idea of online teaching or an online learning had a, held a stigma to it. And yes. it just it doesn't have that anymore. And I think COVID, right. it's because of COVID, people realize sure. that listen, we have to make that's what we have, and 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 out of that need that was fulfilled we realized that there was still quality available so like you know i mean right. yeah, you're gonna have your your knuckleheads in anything so yes, yes. and i think it was i think the, the whole i don't want to call it an industry but the whole idea of online learning was almost like championed by idiots at one point so it held right. on to the stigma of those idiots yes. but because of covid quality people had to get involved and yes. quality people raised the bar and and raised the availability of quality information just like in any other situation. Once a quality person gets involved, it kind of it raises the average. It raises the um, the, the median. I don't know the right word. The, the, yes, the yes, median sir. intellect of everybody, everybody involved. They said like in hockey, no one ever hit Wayne Gretzky on the ice. Because the more money Wayne Gretzky made was more money everybody in the league made. 
he kind of set right. he would raise everybody's salary just by playing the game. So why would you hurt him? <laughs> even if you were on the other <laughs> team, you know? <laughs> so like that's funny. You being involved in this like online learning kind of raises the quality of online learning. You and other people. I don't want Alex's fucking ego is big enough. I don't have to champion him too much here. But the idea is that when you get quality people involved in something, it raises the bar. And and, and I think yeah. I think it's fantastic, you know, because you know I I don't have that passion that you have when it comes to you wanting to teach people because quite frankly I don't like anybody. But <laughs> I do like seeing good people get ahead with things. And I do like seeing quality. I, I always respect intellect and I always respect people capitalizing upon their intellect. I think that's why I was such a big fan of Columbo. That everybody looked at Columbo as somebody who was slow, dim-witted, and, and dumb and he capitalized upon his one quality in life, his intellect. And I think it raised the bar of detective shows. And you and other people like you that are doing this quality information online with these online lessons, I think it's wonderful. And I think it, 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 it gives someone who, like you said, in the Midwest somewhere, who has no avenue of, of quality education available to him or her, this opportunity now. And I think I just, I wholeheartedly think it's amazing. Good for you. Yeah. it's in, it, Thank you. I think it's interesting because I was doing it for my instructors who had schools elsewhere. Like they would once a month with me, we'd have like an online, like through Skype or FaceTime and they'd have a partner there. And I'd be like, okay, these are the things uh, you're going to be teaching this month. Um, let's work on these things. And I would watch them practice. So I knew I could do it, but I thought, oh, yeah, with my own students, because I know what they know and it's easy to do, not realizing that, yeah, I can also do this with people who I have not learned with me. Right. And I would also obviously we saw Burton Richardson. He always posts these screenshots where he's teaching people through Skype or whatever. And he's an instructor that I highly respect in terms of his integrity of passing on his martial art. And you see him there doing sessions with people either, you know, with different various weapons or different styles or whatever and you know these are people that he knows but you're able to transmit the information and the student has to practice it anyway so and I saw you know the Gracie Academy in Los Angeles they were doing so so there were a lot of really great uh, examples of people that I respected who were doing it and I kind of looked at how they were doing it and took that as inspiration and kind of then made uh, my own version of it so uh you know, I'm not the originator. I, I always I look to people who are re, who are doing these things and think about how I could modify it and do it for myself. You know. Well, that's awesome, dude. And uh, speaking of uh, having a little side project, I'm gonna talk a quick second about the um, JKD blueprint. And I um, I'm, I'm I, I started, so I'm excited about it. The idea of the JKD blueprint is basically me talking to on camera instructors and coaches that I, that I respect and just as a little side thing to the dudes of Kung Fu. So I set up a, a YouTube channel that I'm hoping people will, will uh, follow. And I've lined up some awesome freaking interviewers interviews. And uh, I can't wait. I cannot wait till to get to get on screen with some of these guys and pick their brains about the minutia. And I know the audience will be six people because we're going to be talking about the minutia of things like 
how to break people's rhythm and really how to coach fighters through a fight, how to really make someone a better fighter. And uh, I'm, I'm very, very, very excited about it. To, uh, um, did, did I see that you released something like this already for our Patreon supporters here well, on Dudes? I saw there was one. So no, that, that there was um, last week we didn't connect or something. And so I, uh-huh. I, I did an interview with actually, that's going to be for everybody. I That's, okay. that's going to be for everybody. Um, that's my, my, my seafood, Greg Picardo. So one of my first, when my first Chikundo instructor. From when I was 25 years ago, uh-huh. and um, we reconnected through Facebook, and he was, was always such an incredibly nice person, and always very supportive. And <clears throat> he's a uh, an instructor under Guru Cass in um, Silat, and he trains with uh, Guy Chase, and. Um, so he does Jikundo and and Salat, and um, I, I'm excited. So that's that. That was an interview we did. We're gonna do that for the dudes of Kung Fu, and um, awesome. and then I'll probably talk to him again on the on the JKD Blueprint to to go into a little bit more detail on certain things. But um, I, I I really have a couple of really cool people lined up that. Uh, now they don't do kung fu, like they're not kung fu people. They're not. Some are not even JKD people, you know. But they're really smart when it comes to tactics and strategy and and, and that kind of knowledge and changing angles and 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 you know and, I, and like I I spend a lot of time talking to my friends on the phone and about martial arts. You know, I have my phone numbers out there, so people call me all the time. <laughs> and uh, listen, you know, if I'm not playing guitar, I'm talking about martial arts, right? So, and I, I was actually talking to a guy a week or two ago, and um, we started talking. He's trained with Steve Golden a few times. Uh, his name is Steve Corley. And uh, we started talking, just just talking. And we started talking about distance timing and rhythm. And, and he goes, you know, but Steve kind of always says this. And, and, and I was like, oh, you know, I don't use that word. But you know what? This is what I mean by this. And we started getting into it. And I said, you know what? Let's stop talking. Let's just stop talking because I don't want to waste this right now. <laughs> I, I want you on the show. I want you to be. And, you know, and like, because that's the kind of, um, that's the kind of like conversations that come, don't come out of planning. Like some of our best episodes have been episodes that just grew naturally in conversation. You know, right. and, and that's where I'm looking forward to with these JKD Blueprint conversations to just let them grow naturally. To let them. Right, right. What's the right word for that? They, organically. Organically. I'm saying naturally to grow organically. And because, um, like, you, you know yourself, you do, you'll talk to a guy about martial arts, and you're not, it's when it's his buddy of yours and it's not a planned interview. It's so yes. different. When you have an interview, you know, it's it's kind of like regiment. Yeah, there's a little wall there. Right. Yeah, there's a little but, wall, right? But if it's if it's if it's a UFC night and you're sitting at the kitchen table eating a slice of pizza with a buddy of yours, and something comes up about something, anything, and you start just bullshitting about it, sometimes it's some of the best information in the world to share that way. 
you know, yeah, like, absolutely. absolutely. Oh, just kind of conversationally. And, and that's, that's my goal. That's what I'm looking for with this JKD blueprint. And I'm, and I'm hoping well, we, people well, join me. We, I mean, we also know that just, and we've talked about it before, how our best, at least in our estimation, our best podcasts were the ones where we just basically talked like mm-hmm. as if we were there together rather than trying to follow. And, we, and we've also notoriously had a very difficult time following a format. You know, we wanted to make sure we always taught you some Cantonese phrase every episode. Right. Or we always talked about this. And it's so difficult for us to stick to that because... We once we start talking, it's like as if I'm there in your living room with you in Staten Island. And it's like we're just the the audience is basically just there. You know, they're the fly on the wall. Why we while we have a conversation that we would otherwise pretty much have if we were just sitting together. It's not really different because it's a podcast. Right. And I think that's what makes I think that's what makes us work. You know, I mean, quite frankly, we don't even like each other. I'm like didn't, I, I I always heard Gene Siskel and Siskel and Ebert actually didn't like each other. Really? That was always like the rumor. Yeah. And I think that sometimes that actually ends up working when there's a little bit of content between the two co-hosts. <laughs> well, keep on taking off your shirt and we're going to get there really quick. <laughs> but, I, I, for, I always forget to tag you on those. No, no, it's okay. You don't, you don't have to tag me. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I, I think that's what makes us work. That we kind of at five minutes into the quote unquote episodes, it's it's no longer a podcast. It's just two schmucks talking, and I, right. and I think that's really when when you can get that going. That's what really makes it feel real to everybody that's listening. Yeah, you know, that's absolutely. what makes everybody. That's what makes people feel real. Speaking of which, speaking of real, real fucking cool, you were gonna mention your your little find that you got this week that I'm jealous about. Oh yeah, so I'm uh, I'm I'm kind of a book nerd, uh, which I, I don't know people may or may not know about me, and I I, I like old books. Um, in particular, I'm very into the books that um, you know were written around the time that Bruce Lee was around because um, uh, years ago when I went to the Hong Kong. Um, there's a Bruce Lee exhibit in uh, in Shatin where they have a lot of Bruce Lee's artifacts there. They actually have a selection of Bruce Lee's books, his actual books. They're behind a glass case. And for me, that's fascinating because I'm, I'm of the opinion that if you look at the kind of books someone has read, that's a huge window into their character and who they are. And so I'm, I'm always like interested in what did this person read? And when I went to Hong Kong and literally saw Bruce's book collection on the wall, you're not allowed to take photos in there because they don't want people seeing the artifact. I, pu- I brought out like a pen and a pad and I was just writing the titles of these books, these books that are from the 50s and 60s that Bruce <laughs> had read. And um, one of the, uh, you know, one of the books, obviously, Championship Fighting, um, Maso Yama's uh, Kyokushin Karate book. These, And then what I end up doing is I'm such a nerd. I want to buy the edition that Bruce Lee would have owned. So I don't want to have like Masoyama's, you know, karate book, like the updated version. I want to have the 1968 edition with the same cover that Bruce Lee would have had just to have that same feel, not with updated photos. The one Bruce Lee read. And um, an old book uh, is uh, one called Bare Knuckle Breed 
which is actually about the old bare knuckle fighters that predate gloved boxing. And it basically talks, it's from uh, written by a guy named Lewis Golding, who was like a boxing journalist at that time from England. And it's written, I believe, in the 50s. At least the edition I have is from 1954. It might be you know, a second, third, fourth edition. The book may have been printed much earlier than that. But it's a fascinating book about uh, bare knuckle fighting and how that evolved and the stories behind the people who did it. The book normally goes for about a thousand dollars for an original printing of it. And I found some rube who was selling it for like 20 or 30 bucks. So I, I always just I always just kind of follow these things on Amazon or eBay and I'll just wait until there's just some chucklehead that doesn't know what it's worth. And then I'll just slap that thing up real quick. So um, this is one of those books. And it actually has a section on Jack Dempsey, even though Jack Dempsey was not a full contact fighter. The author was like, you know, the exploits of Jack Dempsey make him akin to the old bare knuckle fighters of old. And it's funny to hear some of the stories because some of them are about fighters who lived in the 18th century. And it talks about this one guy who later became a, a, a badass bare knuckle fighter having his first fight when he was 16 against a grown man. And this, you know, his name was Daniel Mendoza. He was a young Jewish boy in London. Gets in a fight with some somebody who's trying to steal money from his boss or rip him off or something like that. And he decides that he's going to stand there and he's going to fight against this guy for the honor of his boss, who's kind of a coward running in the corner. And the guy's like, you are just a child. You know, he's like, yeah, I'll fight you. And the guy says, you. And he's like, yes, I will thrash you for your insolence. <laughs> and it's just like, I love old timey English. It's just so great. Like that was like some mic dropping stuff back in the day. And also... Hey, man, the word thrash is pretty awesome. To say you're going to thrash someone, I think the last time I heard the word thrash used outside of a skateboarding context was like coming to America with Eddie Murphy. He has that scene where he fights Samuel L. Jackson, and he says, I will be forced to thrash you. And I'm just like, <laughs> we we need to bring this word back, all right, because – the, the thrash is very unique. It's not like I'm going to beat you up. To thrash is something quite unique. We need to bring this <laughs> word back. So anyway, I got a copy of 1954 Lewis Golding Bare Knuckle Breed. And um, I also last week went to Jack Dempsey's grave, uh, you know, who's mentioned this book, like I said, who's a huge hero of mine. We've talked about him on the podcast before, um, you know, uh, wrote uh, the classic Championship Fighting, which was all about uh, – Landing with the bottom three knuckles, aiming with the ring finger, the true power line, the falling step, which was essentially part of the genesis of Bruce Lee's version of the inch punch. And uh, Jack Dempsey's buried in Southport in Long Island all the way at the end. And I went out there because my daughter just had her five uh, year birthday and my parents are out there with the boat. They have the kids. So we had to drive out to Long Island to see our own kids <laughs> who my parents who my parents have basically absconded with. Right? We don't have them anymore. And I was like, hey, while we're out there, I want to stop by Jack Dempsey's grave. So uh, we took a slight half hour detour to Southport, went to the grave and took us about 30 minutes to find it. I'm there with uh, one of my students named Brendan and my wife. And we're just looking around because it's a huge cemetery. My wife found it. <laughs> she's like, and so half 30 minutes later, she's like, oh, it's over here. Took some photos, paid our respects. And uh, oh, that nice. was really cool. Uh, J- Jack Dempsey's. Um, you know, something very special, not just in boxing, but even for people who practice uh, Jeet Kune Do to his uh, influence sure. on Bruce Lee 
And also, um, you know, even my Sifu uh, was very influenced by Jack Dempsey and how he presented Leung Tang's Wing Chun and the emphasis on the power line and the bottom three knuckles and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, Jack Dempsey, uh, in one way or another, is part of Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do lore at this point. That's so, awesome. uh, if, if, if you're in Southport, uh, Long Island, uh, definitely stop by over there to the Southport Cemetery and, and pay your respects to a very great man. And you know, it's what's written on his um, on his grave, which I thought is so sweet. There's like a, a Dempsey family plot, and it's just Jack. It only says Jack. It doesn't say Jack Dempsey because there's a Dempsey plot with the name. Right. It just says Jack, like super understated. You know, uh, 1890 something to you know 1983 or whatever he lived to, and it said. A gentle man and a gentleman. Yeah. And I thought, like, what, what, like, a beautiful thing to say about someone who is arguably one of the most ferocious heavyweight and boxers and heaviest hitters pound for pound for his size. He was known as the Manassa Mauler because he would <laughs> knock people, you know, he, he fought at a time when heavyweight was 185 pounds and above. Wow. And so it was basically open class. So he was on the smaller side of heavyweight fighting guys well into their 200s, a head or two taller than him. And, uh, you know, he he won the title against Jess Willard. I think he knocked him down to the canvas 11 times, which you're not even allowed to do with current boxing rules. Those were the old rules. And, uh, you know, just because he had a murderous punch because he used this forward surge with the bottom three knuckles landing with the power line and just had these these tremendously powerful uh, body weight dropping punches where he could really fell people who were quite larger than him. So Jack Dempsey, if you haven't had a chance to see Jack Dempsey fight, go on YouTube and watch especially his Jess Willard fight and, and you will start to see why Bruce Lee um, you know, uh, paid attention to what Jack Dempsey had to write in his book. It's really, really. And what's the name of that book again? Uh, the book is called, uh, well, the one that my find, the book right. that I found is called Bare, Bare Knuckle Breed by Lewis Golding. And of course, the Jack Dempsey classic, which is also uh, also printed around 1952, 1954. To get an original copy is very expensive. I own two original copies, by the way. And um, you can get it for free, though, as a PDF. You can just Google it online. I think it's in public domain. Championship fighting. If you want to see why we need to hit with the bottom three knuckles with the power line, that's it. My wife is only – this book came in this week, and she goes, oh, you got another rare book? She goes, you have to tell me how much it's worth so when you die I can sell it. <laughs> it's like my wife. That's like guitar. always – yeah, that's always like she's like, oh, you need to make a list of all your rare books so I so I don't throw the wrong thing away. <laughs> so she's already be- she's already betting on me croaking before her. So I know none of my students or my kids are inheriting any of my book stuff. That's all. That's gonna be that shit is gonna be sold <laughs> the di- the day after they put me six feet under. That's shit's gonna be on eBay or what you know what it, however that she's gonna sell it at that point. So you're quite funny. So speaking of bare knuckle. Uh... I'm sure I know you heard, but uh, I don't know if anybody else heard. Paige Van Zant left the UFC and signed with uh, Bare Knuckle Fight Challenge. That's the name of the yeah, organization. Yeah, that's totally crazy. Bare Knuckle. The best yeah. line in the world is her husband, also known as the luckiest man in the world, Austin <laughs> Vanderford. He um, he put a post up on Instagram, a little quick video, and he goes something like something to the effect of like, "Wow." I guess I'm going to be the pretty one in the family now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny, right? Like, uh, so this bare knuckle boxing thing, um, 
kind of came at least it came up on my radar a couple years ago it may be going longer than that but it's kind of a yeah i guess they're trying to fill a little marketing niche something between boxing and ufc there have been a couple fights there with some former ufc fighters man they're super bloody man i mean basically they just go in there with some uh wraps on their wrists from what i understand but obviously the knuckles are are bare and i mean the level of i mean there's no elbows no knees no kicks it's not mma it is boxing but uh, it is it gets very very bloody, and to see you know you know Paige Van Zant, you know someone known for her looks and uh, 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 go in there into something that's basically designed to wreck your face, uh, I'm like wow I, I really hope they're paying her good money man. Well, that you know and that's what it's got to be all about. It's really a shame that she's not making the money in the UFC. I mean UFC is the largest organization in the world. And for the amount, I mean, granted, she's famous because of the UFC, but UFC, you can't tell me that she's hurt the promotion at all. You know, no, she also she did is, Dancing with the Stars. Well, I mean, that's, that's I, I, I mean, she's really had massive exposure. When yeah, she was on Dancing. She just posted not too long ago. I was telling my wife Lori about it because Lori's a huge Dancing with the Stars fan, and yes. on she had said she made more money on one season of Dancing with the Stars than sure. she made combined with all of her fights in the UFC. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. That's, it that, is, it that, is. That's insane. Because you can't tell me the UFC's hurting as an organization. And and you can't tell me she's hurting the UFC. It's not like, you right. know, I mean, she's a talented fighter. Granted, maybe she's not as, uh, as talented a fighter as some of the big names now in the UFC. Yeah, she's not Rousey. Fight. She's not right, Amanda Nunes or Joanna right. or anyone. So yeah. she's she's not going to run titles and everything. But she's not a slouch. You know, she's right. definitely not. She's a fighter. I mean, she's got a good record. And uh, for her to be not being paid to the point where now she's going to go into bare-knuckle, bare-knuckle boxing is just yeah. insane. That's... It is insane. Yeah, the, the, it's, it's the a step, price. It's a step backwards for women fighting. Yeah, sure. Uh, UFC has been called out, especially in recent months. I mean, well, for a number of years now, but there's been a lot more pressure in recent months because some some numbers were let out where they saw the percentage of uh, what UFC earns compared to what they pay their fighters compared to boxing. Now, of course, it's a bit of a, I mean, the boxing business is set up a little bit differently. It's not exactly the same. Um, boxing is a little bit different because normally only the main card guys get any money and the undercard guys get paid total garbage. Whereas in UFC, maybe there's a slightly more even spread. But in general, um, these guys are getting, I mean, some guys are basically paying to fight. If you're a low-level UFC fighter and you have to, you have to do an eight-week or 12-week camp, uh, and you can't work during that time. I mean, fight training for the fight is your work. They got to pay their trainers. They got to, you know, um, they got their meals. They got their conditioning. They got all this other stuff. And some of them are earning such little money in UFC. I mean, they're essentially paying to play, which is insane. Really because is. UFC without fighters, they, has no, they have no product. UFC does not exist without fighters. And uh, I hope that they can put pressure and I don't know what the solution is. UFC either stops being greedy and pays them more, or maybe the fighters have to unionize. I'm not, I'm not an expert in what the best thing. You know, I don't know about the numbers or whatever. Right, but something right. has to happen so that, um, you know, these guys are really risking life and limb for a very short window period of their lives, which could potentially have 
lasting effects on the quality of their life post fighting and they're getting paid nothing i mean this is this is terrible man there's something something needs to change but yeah to have to go to bare knuckle boxing after fighting in the premier mma league seems a little weird it just seems like a step uh, backwards yeah i think it's a step backwards for her but overall it's a step backwards for women's fighting because a, a woman of her capabilities shouldn't have to go take that kind of step backwards to right. to to make legitimate money. You know yes. what I mean? It's just it's just not it's just not right. It's just, you know, it's uh there's something yeah, basically absolutely. wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um I don't know if you've watched any of the uh bare knuckle uh fights and I don't know if this is the same organization, but there was a former UFC fighter named Artem who is in Conor McGregor's camp, Artem Lobov. Sure, I know Artem. And uh I think he's like a uh, Russian guy from Conor's camp. He fought had a couple fights in UFC, never had a great record, but he was always kind of a scrappy guy and a fan favorite. And there's lots of memes about him thinking he's a much better fighter than he is. Well, he went to bare knuckle boxing and he fight he fought Paulie Malinagi, right? I think that's oh, really? his name. Who's yes, because yeah, yeah. you know Paulie was like a sparring partner of Connor when he was getting ready for the Mayweather thing, and then they had some rift, and then Paulie started talking some ish about Connor, and then Connor released that video where he floored Paulie in sparring, mm. and then it was like, oh, that was taken out of context, and then that created this big beef between like Paulie and Connor and Connor's camp, and then it would, they finally wanted to settle it, and then Artem fought in bare knuckle boxing versus Paulie, who is a legit uh, boxer. And Artem beat Paulie in bare knuckle boxing. Really? In straight boxing. Yeah, you need to look it up if you haven't seen it. It's pretty, pretty impressive. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I Bare knuckle boxing is not something I would pay to watch at this point in right, my life. Right, sure, I agree with you 100%. Um, uh, I, I would definitely pay for UFC. I would definitely pay for... I'll probably pay for that exhibition match between Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. Just, definitely. I am definitely watching. I mean, it's it's curiosity you want to see. Um, I'll definitely watch that. Uh, but, you know, for me to fork over 30 to $70 for a bare-knuckle boxing card, uh, I'm, I'm not there yet. Yeah, I have Maybe no, in the I future have no that'll bid change. to watch bare-knuckle boxing. Yeah, men or women, I just just have no bit. Yes, to that. it's just yes. gonna be a so, bloody mess. Yeah, I mean, and we're both martial art fans, and we're also fight sport fans, right? Exactly. So right. I, 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 I kind of, you know, it's like we're not like, you know, we're not just a bunch of kung fu or JKD guys. We're, we're into like, I mean, we talk about fight sports much to the chagrin of at least fifty percent of our audience on podcasts, and so. Speaking and about even speaking of, uh, podcast audience, yes. if you are a fan of bare knuckle boxing, sell Alex and me on it. Send messages in yes. or, or post it on our Facebook page. Sell us bare knuckle boxing. Yes, Give, give us a reason to. to watch that. Because right yeah. now I have no bid to watch it and Alex has no bid to watch it. But if you no. see something there... And you're saying, you know what? These guys are missing out because of A, B, and C. Well, you know what? I, we want to hear your argument. So post it on right. our Facebook page. We want to hear the argument. Why do you watch bare knuckle boxing? I mean, and if it's just to watch guys get bloody, post that. I don't care what you post. But make the argument that Alex and I are missing out 
on bare knuckle boxing and why we should be watching it. Absolutely, I would love to hear it. And hey, we we're we're open. You can definitely. What what's that meme where they always have the guy sitting down at like a lemonade stand and he says exactly something right. changed my mind, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> so yeah, we're 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 that way with bare knuckle boxing. And uh, last thing on fight sports before uh, our entire audience tunes out. Uh, tomorrow is uh, the trilogy between DC and Cormier. Obviously, by the time this podcast comes out, that fight is going to be a week old. It's going to be old news. Um, uh, it could be DC's last fight. Most likely is DC's last fight. Trilogies are always great when you have it's 1-1 each and then you have that final third fight to see who, you know, to kind of settle the score or whatever. Um, as in, I'm not a huge heavyweight fan in UFC because... You know, a lot of times heavyweights are not as exciting. And in my opinion, although, I mean, they're definitely technically skilled, but I would much rather watch lighter weight guys fight um, than the heavyweight guys fight. But Stipe is a a very remarkable heavyweight in UFC. Uh, He's held the belt. I think he's got the record for holding the heavyweight belt. It's not an easy belt to hold on to. And DC was the heavyweight champ in Strike Force. Then he was the light heavyweight champ in UFC. Then he became the heavyweight champ in UFC. And then he lost it. Now he wants to get it again. So it's an interesting story. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to see it. Of course, by the time this comes out, it's going to be old news anyway. But um, yeah, super excited about that. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, sure. You know, I, I didn't talk to my son about it, but I'm sure. You know, Johnny maybe coming over and we'll we'll probably watch it. We're uh, definitely we're big into the fight. So yeah, definitely, definitely. So mm-hmm. um, kind of you know we we've been kind of meandering about a few different topics tonight, but I, I actually wanted to talk about something that uh, is kind of somewhat serious, and uh, it involves someone um, who I. I care about and respect very deeply, and we both know him. Uh, it's our good friend, uh, Mak Sifu, Mak Chi Kong. Uh, Mak Chi Kong uh, is a Hongar Sifu par excellence in, in Hong Kong. He's uh, been a good friend of mine for many years, I think almost 10 years. I think I've known him now for almost 10 years, which wow. is really quite remarkable. And uh, you met him at our anniversary. He and, could not you be know, a nicer person. He was incredibly nice. Absolutely. And, you know, in terms of like, you know, when, when I left uh, Sifu Langting's organization in 2011, I, I made it a point to surround myself with martial artists who uh, I felt inspired me. And they didn't need to be Wing Chun people. As a matter of fact, a lot of Wing Chun people don't really inspire me that much because a lot of Wing Chun people are very tribal and a lot of Wing Chun people are just kind of stuck in the same old scripts about how great their Wing Chun is or how special, you know, they're, these guys are internal, these guys are this, and everyone wants to tell you how great they are. And everyone is kind of, what is the old song? Everyone is talking at me, right? Um, and, and so, like, uh, I don't really feel that I have a lot of meaningful conversations with a lot of Wing Chun people. Um, you know, I know you don't consider yourself a Wing Chun person, but I definitely consider you someone that I actually do have meaningful Wing Chun conversations with. Same thing with Jim Rosalando uh, and a handful of other people. But for the most part... I find my most inspiring conversations with people who are completely outside of the Wing Chun, the walled garden that is Wing Chun. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so many Wing Chun people just live inside this wall garden where they not dare look over the over what's over the wall. And they're just surrounded by people who essentially tell them that they're right and tell them that they're great. Well. Mak Sivu is an amazing Hongkun practitioner. And in all my trips to Hong Kong, I, I always go and see him. 
I don't always have time to train with him, but when I do, I make it a point because uh, he's taught me things about the long pole. He's taught me things about the double knives that come from outside of Wing Chun where I go, wow, uh, there are other guys who are actually really good at this stuff too, not just Wing Chun. <laughs> and I learned a lot about the long pole and how to improve the way I teach the Wing Chun long pole because of what Maxivu taught me with the long pole. I learned some stuff about the knives. I learned some stuff about how other Kung Fu styles use weapons to improve my ability to teach the Bat Cham Do to fight against those weapons. Um, but I also learned a lot about the Southern fist fighting arts like Hong Kun and how they're actually in certain respects quite similar to Wing Chun and in other ways how they're different. And he also really taught me about these classifications about hard styles and soft styles and what actually really determines a hard style versus a soft style and not some self-serving definition, but really from a very objective perspective. So in terms of my martial arts education, uh, for sure, uh, I, I learned the most from my Wing Chun instructors and from my Sifu and my Gong and all of these. But in terms of my uh, influence on me, in terms of what I understand about Chinese martial art, as a phenomenon in terms of how Wing Chun fits into that family, how the other martial arts fit into that family. I, I don't think that there's a single bigger influence in my understanding of Chinese Kung Fu than Maxifu. Um, and, and I say that, you know, um, not trying to, to, to kiss his ass or anything like that. He is really remarkable in his wealth of knowledge. And when you look at him move and when you look at his forms and the way he holds the weapon, the way he moves, the way he kicks, the way he explains stuff, he is really a cut above many of the Hong Kong masters, including those in Hong Kong, including those who supposedly are of a higher pedigree or higher uh, uh, generation or higher lineage than him. But Maxivu is someone who does not spend any energy worrying about what the other guys are saying or what the other guys are doing. He's literally, he shows up to his studio there um, in, in Kwai Fong and he practices every day like a maniac. And he is, I believe, if he's not 70 already, he's approaching 70 years old. And he's in there with the pole every day, target practice, practicing on the dummy, practicing his forms, teaching. A student comes in, he teaches him, then he practices. Then he's you know, working on his strikes, working on his kicks. Then he's showing me something when I'm there. He's someone who really lives the Kung Fu life in a way that many people who are famous in Kung Fu, they don't live that Kung Fu life. Maxivu really lives the Kung Fu life and is a huge inspiration for me as a result. Not to mention his openness with his information. He knows so much. And if you ever go to see him in his school, whatever you want to ask him about that weapon, this style, what do you think about uh, Hong Kong and how they use would use against this style? And what about Wing Chun? What about this? He's an open book and he is non-tribal. He's not the guy to say, to say, oh, that guy is no good. Oh, don't do it like this because that guy is, in, you know, blah, blah, blah or whatever. He's not that guy at all. And that is extremely rare in Chinese martial arts because I'm going to admit something that is an open secret among people who practice Chinese Kung Fu, especially those who have practiced or have learned in Hong Kong. I'm going to straight admit it and people will deny it. But this is 100 percent the case. Nine out of ten Sifus in Hong Kong, I don't care what style they teach, Wing Chun, Hong Kun, Choi Lei Fat, all they do 
is talk shit about other people who do other martial arts or they talk shit about the other people in their family. And this is 9 out of 10 Sifus. They sit and they have dim sum and they talk and they go, "Eh, did you see what that guy taught? Did you see what that guy did? Oh, that guy is no good. Oh, that guy is not really a student of so-and-so. Meanwhile, while they are just talking bad about other Sifus, they're not doing anything themselves. Are they really promoting the martial art? Or are, or are they just sitting there telling you they're good because their Sifu is so-and-so? It doesn't matter who your Sifu is. If you don't have a good heart, if you don't teach openly, the fact that you have a famous Sifu does not qualify you to say things about other people just because you don't like them and you think that being a student of so-and-so allows you to bully other people just because of your pedigree. So I'm going to call someone out. I'm not going to call them by name, but quite frankly, if he listens to this, everything I'm saying is 100% what happens, and he's more than welcome to come and say it to my face and talk to me if I go to Hong Kong. Because we've said this before, Sean. If someone talks bad about me, I really don't care. Because I know who I am, I know where I stand, and I know what I can do for my students and what I mean to my students. If someone talks shit about you, Sean, I'm more likely to want to punch them in the face for saying something bad about you. You know, it's like I, I can take it. I don't worry about someone saying something about me. But when someone tries to bully one of my friends... Right. That's when I get that's when I get kind of hot. I really don't care if they say something about me. And Maxivu is someone that I care about very deeply. And there's a guy in Hong Kong who uh, in his mind because he has a high generation or high pedigree that's higher than Maxivu's in the Hong Kong world, he believes that he can basically anything that he says uh, is a qualified statement that he's the one now who can say everything about other Hong Kong practitioners. And the reason why I'm salty about this guy, I'm Facebook friends with him, and I had no problem with this guy. As a matter of fact, I respect him the same way I respect anyone who wants to openly promote Chinese martial arts. But this guy, he doesn't like Maxifu, all right? And mind you, this is someone who actually learned from a lower generation Hong Kong Sifu. And then shortly before, a few years before the death of the great grandmaster, he became that guy, the grandmaster's student. So he's one of these guys who kind of jumped a generation in the right, last sure, period sure. And, and took the photo next to the grandmaster. And now he's the guy that everyone has to listen to, even though they're people of a lower generation who learned Hong Kong much longer than him and can do it at a much higher level. But again, it's this problem in Chinese martial arts that people believe that their pedigree automatically equates to skill and knowledge. Someone can have a high pedigree and be very skillful and very knowledgeable, and someone can have a high pedigree and not be the most knowledgeable and skillful guy. If that were the case... Every single person who called Yip Man Sifu would be equally as great because Yip Man was their Sifu. And we know that's not the case. Everyone who called Bruce Lee Sifu, even if they came to three Jeet Kune Do classes, would be on equal footing because Bruce Lee was their Sifu. And we know that's not the case. The fact that a famous grandmaster is your Sifu doesn't mean you are the most qualified in terms of knowledge or skill. And this guy doesn't like Maxivu because Maxivu is very clearly more skillful and more knowledgeable than him. 
So, and the reason I know this is because four years ago, way before any of this stuff happened, this Sivu sent me a Facebook message. Do you know why? Because I brought my students to Hong Kong. And on one of the days, I brought them to Maxivu because I said, hey, I want you guys to learn something about a martial art outside of Wing Chun because it's important for me that my guys are educated. So we go to Maxivu. He's my good friend. And what does he do? He gives them a basic introduction into Hong Kong. Just to, not to teach them Hong Kong, but to teach them what exists outside of the Wing Chun box. And that's very important for me. That's why I want them to see a jiu-jitsu guy and a boxer guy and a Hong Kong guy or whatever. Because it's going to make their Wing Chun better. And so Maxivo taught them something and he filmed some of it and he posted it on Facebook. Well, this Sifu sends me a Facebook message. Eh. Actually, what Maxivo is teaching you here is not correct. The way he's holding the fist should be like this and that, that, that. And he's saying this stuff. And first of all, I'm not a Hong Kong guy. I have enough of bullshit Wing Chun politics. Right. <laughs> Why do you think I care about Hong Kong politics, right? Especially, I didn't know this other guy as well as I know Maxivu, right? Can you imagine you teach me something about Jeet Kune Do, and then someone says, uh, what Sean is teaching you there is totally but Actually, it's not right. It should be like this. Well, I'm sorry. I know Sean better than you. I trust Sean's opinion. I don't know who you are. You are coming off kind of like... I'm sorry, you're coming off like a bitch. Right. And this guy is coming off that way to me. But I was very polite. I was like, oh, you're right. Yes, okay. And they say, actually, do you believe that what Muxivu said is true about this? I'm like, hey, I'm just a Wing Chun guy. I don't have an opinion on this stuff. And But I could tell, okay, this guy has it out for Muxivu. And in the ensuing years... I see that he's always posting these little things that are like digs right. on Maxivu. It's, it's very passive aggressive. And hey, look, if he believes his Hongkun is better because he's more qualified and he's a higher level, how come he doesn't show more videos of him showing things? How come he doesn't just openly show what he's teaching? Show us that you're better. Don't tell me that you're better or write statements on your Facebook page or whatever. So anyway, fa fast forward to... A couple weeks ago, Maxivo has been teaching um, online webinars like on Zoom, right? And he's been teaching like one form, let's say uh, the Gongji Fukfukun. He'll do it over two or three webinars. And by the way, if anyone ever wants to learn real authentic Hongkun from a source, you want to learn those tiger forms or the, the pole or, or the spear, go to realeast.com and buy those uh, webinars from Maxivo. They're like 15 bucks. And you can have, you can learn all that stuff you wanted to learn. Even if you're just a Kung Fu fan, you're learning it from one of the best. So anyway, Maxivo taught a webinar on a, kind of a rare style. I don't know the name. I don't remember what the style was or whatever. But Maxivo, um, he made a he made a small error. He had when he was talking about the history of the pole. He, I don't know. He said it came from so and so, or he said it didn't come from so and so, but it did. It was like a faux pas, a mistake he made in there. It, 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 and then this guy who sent me those messages all those years ago, who's always he's watching Maxivu's videos. He's waiting for Maxivu to make a small mistake so that he can you know, capitalize on it. He capitalized on this error that Maxifu made in a video, right? Now, Sean, honestly, we've been doing the podcast for a few years. 
Okay, if someone wants to go back and listen to every single episode of Dudes oh, right, of Kung exactly, Fu right, sure. and find that, oh, uh, uh, Alex, when he told that story about Bruce Lee, he said it was Way of the Dragon, but actually it was Fists of Fury. Or uh, when he said Bruce Lee did this in 1962, it was actually 1964. Or look, you can go back. We're, I don't come here prepared with notes. If I was going to write it in a book, I would double check it. We're having a conversation here. If, if I misquote something or whatever and I find out about it, I'll mention it. But, hey, I don't know. And 100%, I've totally effed up on uh, uh, maybe a, a, a tone in Cantonese here or told you something here that was actually I said, so-and-so told me the story, but somebody else told me the story for sure. But can you imagine if there was some little punk out there listening to every single Dudes of Kung Fu podcast waiting for you or me to misquote a date or to say some small factual inaccuracy just so that he can go, oh, I finally got him. Instead of just practicing martial arts and promoting martial arts and putting out videos to show us how good he is, he literally waits to find Maxivu making an error in a webinar which shows you he's going to those webinars most likely <laughs> not under his own name he probably right. is a student do it or someone else do it because he's a spying little punk and if i see this sifu in hong kong i will tell it to his face so if you're listening to this we can meet in Hong Kong and have yum cha and you can tell me what your problem with Maxifu is and I will still tell you that you are an insecure little punk to your face because you don't scare me and your attitude shows me that you're not a real Sifu. You're just like worse than a high school kid. So anyway, he, he Maxifu made an error and when Maxifu found out he made the error, you know what he did? He published an apology on his Facebook page. But not before this Mr. Highly Qualified Sifu, without discussing it with Maxifu, without saying, hey, you made a mistake here on whatever fact, maybe you might want to correct it. He decides to post a public statement against Maxifu and say that he is uh, wrong and bad. And he even got Maxifu's Sifu to write a statement about Maxifu because the family put pressure on the Sifu because of this error. So he's trying to get everyone to uh, uh, to he's trying to make oh, Maxifu look bad, even though Maxifu apologized for it. And Maxifu is the sweetest guy, but this guy, all he wants to do is get rid of someone that makes him look bad and someone that he's very jealous of. So. I, I posted a couple comments on there, and here's the thing. Some of the guys were like, you're not allowed to comment on this. You're not a Lamb Family Hong Kong guy. Well, I'm sorry. When you post something publicly on Facebook in both English and Chinese, you make it public for anyone to comment on. And by telling someone I cannot comment because it's a Hong Kong thing, that's basically like saying you don't agree with our opinion. So we need a reason why you're not allowed to talk. Right. And when you look at all the comments, it's all their own people who agree with them. So it's like they're very happy when they have their own students who agree with them because they're afraid. 
that someone doesn't agree with them, it's going to make them look bad. Well, this Sifu, he's a bully. You know why he's a bully? Because at least for four years, all he does is look for mistakes in Maxifu's videos, which makes him a bully and it makes him insecure and it makes him not a proper Sifu in Hongkun, in the line of Wong Feihong, where those Sifus showed strong breadth of character. Wong Sifu, the patriarch of Hongkun, is known for his character. So is Lam Sai Wing. When you claim to be in that lineage and you're a little punk waiting for someone to make a factual error in a video, I'm sorry, you, you cause shame to the Hong Kun line. And that I say with absolute conviction. And so anyway, this guy is bullying Maxifu, even though Maxifu apologized for it. And I have no problem if he listens to this because he's a bully and I'm going to call out bullying behavior and anyone who knows about the Hong Kong politics knows who I'm talking about and I'm totally fine with that and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, first of all, you know, there's just people in this world that I'm never going to understand and when, it's, when there's men in their friggin' 60s and 70s that is still yes. dealing with this high school bullshit. Yes. It just, you know, it's laughable. It's like, come on, grow up already. You know, what's going to happen when they get through puberty and start liking girls? Exactly. It's like, come on, really grow up a little bit. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being in that stage of your life and still have to watch out to see? Yeah, the, the, the guy who wrote the statement is in his 50s. Okay. I mean, come on. And and I'm like, look, I was I was political in my 20s and 30s when I was part of the Lengting organization. I also made statements and did all that bullshit. But at some point I grew up. I couldn't imagine if uh, Sifu William Kwok, whom we both know, all right, not to call, he's a good friend of mine and I respect him a lot. Imagine if he made a video and he said, Grandmaster Yip Man or Wong Sun Leung did such and such in 1970, in 1967. And I knew this thing happened in 1969. Right. And then I say, how dare you misquote these facts about your own Sifu or whatever it is. Or, And then I make a big statement about it without talking to Sifu Kwok first. How is that not bullying behavior? Especially if I were to have been doing these kind of things for a while, I would be so ashamed. Right, that's what I'm to saying. Act, to act like that publicly, his own students have to be looking at him and saying, "My seafood's acting like a bitch." No, because they think that he's protecting some kind of legacy because his students drank the Kool Aid. And the funny thing, there was another guy who I was going back and forth with, who was like, "Oh, this seems like a familiar thing," because this guy actually tried to start some politics between. Uh, uh, my students and the Hongkun students during that uh, anniversary thing, which is a whole nother story. Because and I remember, this, and this, I don't know if this is the same thing or related or the same yeah. the same guy, but there was something about yeah. a t-shirt that people wore. Yes, yes, yes. Maxiva was teaching in my school because he was a guest instructor. I wanted my students to be exposed to Hongkun, not 
to mix Hongkun with Wing Chun, which is the big fear for all. Ooh, Alex is mixing Hongkun and Wing Chun. Oh my God, dude. First of all, I'm not. Second of all, why are you so afraid? If someone in another martial arts style shows your students something, are you afraid they're going to like it better and leave you? Then you're not saying much about your own confidence as an instructor or the intelligence of your own students, right? And so, you know, and if my students wanted to leave me to learn from Maxifu, well, at least I know they're in good hands. I mean, this fear that these people have is ridiculous. So anyway, Maxifu was showing one of my students something and demonstrated a hit. And somebody, I don't know who it was, commented, oh, the guy in the Hongkun shirt is punching the guy in the Wing Chun shirt. First of all, the guy in the Wing Chun shirt is my student who's standing there letting Maxivu demonstrate something. This is not a sparring. This is not a oh, fighting God. contest. This is a guest demonstrating a technique right, exactly. on my student. And then some people went back and forth in the comments and uh, 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 Wing Chun Sifu was implicated, who's, who's, not, uh, who's someone I respect. But the funny thing is the guy who actually started that is one of this guy's students as well. He's both a Wing Chun and a Hong Kun guy. And he's like straddles the fence. He's an instigator. And he even got mad at me because he would write me in Chinese. And here's the thing. I can read Chinese. But I chose to answer him in English. Because I'm like, I'm not the challenge, you know, the champion of this argument doesn't have to bow down to your I'm not going to write in your language because you want to you want to make me write in Chinese because it's your mother tongue. So I wrote him in English, knowing full well he can Facebook translate my message. And he wrote my Chinese name, White Sifu. If you are trying to scold me, you have to understand I don't speak English. You must use Chinese. And I said to this Sifu. You have to understand, I am not scolding you. And my Chinese is very rusty. But if you wish to scold me, you're going to have to use English. (laughs) So it's kind of like, I'm sorry, you don't get to be, oh, I don't know English, so you have to use Chinese. That works both ways, buddy. And that guy is was an instigator in both of these events. He is one of these guys who sits and they have yum cha and oh, this sivu, this sivu. Hey, show me what you can do and stop flapping your mouth about this nonsense these guys are all cowards and these guys do not even deserve to carry Maxifu's shoes it's just a shame but you know he's just such a nice man Maxifu. and this other Absolutely. guy sounds like a fucking clown that's like and, and yeah he's a total clown total not, clown not to get into the guy's name but do, do you remember that when we first started the podcast and there was that uh kung fu guy who scolded us we, we first started the podcast and you I don't remember. What was it about? You have to refresh my memory. I I forget these things quickly. He gave me shit about about, about a podcast with Jeet Kune Do and and Wing Chun. And he sent us a message on on Facebook. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, No, I could say exactly who that is because that guy's an idiot. Um, He's a student of Grandmaster Yip Man. Uh, His name is Andrew Ma. And he is a he's a he's a huge instigator on Facebook. As a matter of fact, when Hawkam Ming passed away, he took it upon himself to write a Facebook post about how disrespectful Hawkam Ming was because actually he was the first one to teach Hawkam Ming, not Grandmaster Yip Man. He literally wrote that when Hawkam Ming passed away. So I wrote him in Chinese 
you know, and he said something like, oh, and every time Hoka Ming would come back to Hong Kong, as Hoka Ming lived in Macau for a time and then later in Canada, Hoka Ming wouldn't even bother to buy me a lunch because basically he's trying to claim he's really the guy who taught Hoka Ming. And it's kind of like maybe you were the guy who helped show him to Sunam Tao day one, but Yip Man was a Sivu. Everyone knows this. But how can you write something about that on the day someone dies, right? So I wrote him in Chinese and I said, ah, Ma Sivu. Don't worry, tonight, Ha Kam Ming will invite you to dinner. Because in Chinese, they're very superstitious about the death. So I said he would come to you in your sleep and invite you to dinner. Oh, man, that's On awesome. the day that he had passed away, which in Chinese, you know. And But the thing is, the problem is all these old Sifus, this Hongkun guy, some of these senior students of Grandmaster Yip Man, they think that their pedigree allows them to bully other people. And I'm sorry, in the age of the internet, it doesn't matter if you're a direct todai of Yip Man or a direct todai of Lam Chou or a direct todai of Wong Fei Hong. If you use that pulpit to bully other people, you're just a bully. Right. And so I'm pretty sure, and here's the irony, if this comes out and this Sifu listens to it, he might be very angry that I said all these things about him, even though I didn't mention his name, without discussing it with him first. Now, isn't that ironic that he wrote a <laughs> statement about Maxivu without discussing it first with him and then just decided to have a public statement that went out to lots of people without discussing it with the intended person? Well, the reason I did this without talking to him first is because I wanted him to feel what it's like when someone does that and realize that this is exactly what he did to Maxifu, but because he's a bully, I don't feel bad about doing it to him. Right, exactly right. And there you go. On a very Alex. special episode, <laughs> uh, on a very special episode of Dudes of Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for Alex to take a deep breath now and go hug his wife. <laughs> I'm going to go watch, tea. continue watching. I'm watching the Umbrella Academy on Netflix, which is pretty awesome. So I'm going to go continue watching that tonight. Yeah, I'm looking for um, something to watch. Lori and I started watching um, Perry Mason on is it, is it a, is it a new one or is it like the original one? No, no, no. It's a new one with the uh, oh, Perry, cool. Perry Mason is being played by the guy from The Americans. Okay. Do you remember I the don't act, know who that is. The, the actor was no. from The Americans. Anyway, the actor was in the Americans, and um, he plays Perry Mason. First couple episodes, watch it's kind of slow, and it's dark. It's dark cool. and slow. It takes place in L.A. in like nineteen, I'm gonna say nineteen thirties maybe. And um, but I, I so at first I was kind of like, ah, my wife doesn't like it that much, but everybody's saying it's brilliant, so I'm gonna uh -huh. push through it and see if I can get locked in or not. Awesome. 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 Uh, cool. Well, just want to say a big thank you to all our Patreon supporters out there. Thank you so much. We, uh, I just released Speaking some new content for them. Okay. Yeah. Speaking about Patreon supporters, I should have mentioned this earlier, but less, I spoke once on the podcast recently about, um, fakes and faints. It has to be over the last podcast or two. Got so much feedback about it, about, you know, what I, what I, honestly, I don't remember exactly what I said. I have to go back and listen. But I decided I'm putting up a uh, Patreon on own Patreon only little 
thing about just fakes and faints. And I'm not going to hold awesome. anything back. It's going to be, it's going to be the shit. And I'm going to record cool. that tomorrow. And um, so by the time this comes out, the Patreon people will have my write-up on my, write-up on my, you know, my little speech there. Teach how I teach fakes and faints. The psychology of it is amazing. It's amazing. And to me, it's like, it's high-level fighting. It's high-level cool, cool, cool. fighting. And I can't wait to share it with, with, with the Patreon supporters. So that's being recorded tomorrow. Awesome. Yeah, and if you guys want to support us on Patreon, you can support us for as little as $2 a month. At the $5 level, you get this kind of content that Sean and I are talking about, like special episodes, uh, different types of things that are um, not on the regular Dudes of Kung Fu feed. They're only for Patreon supporters. Plus, you get the episodes a few days early, so um, that's another benefit for there. And if you guys are interested in my online Wing Chun Academy, citywt.com for all the information on that. Again, citywt.com. And I would always appreciate it if you guys follow me on YouTube. YouTube, Kung Fu Genius, give me a subscribe and uh, turn on those notifications. Instagram at the Kung Fu Genius, Facebook at the Kung Fu Genius, Twitter at the Kung Fu Genius. Looking forward to seeing you guys online. Be good, folks. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. Please help us get the word out there by sharing this and other episodes on your favorite social media platforms. If you're enjoying the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, there are many ways in which you can support it. Go to dudesofkungfu.com slash support to find out how you can help your favorite Kung Fu podcast. We are currently using Patreon to automate great benefits to those who support the podcast. As a supporter of the Dudes, you'll get early access to episodes, as well as a number of other benefits based on your donation level. This includes in-depth topic lectures and even monthly live video conferences with the Dudes. Again, go to dudesofkungfu.com slash support to find out more about that. As always, you can help support us in small ways as well. Give us a like at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page and share links to episodes. If Twitter is your preferred social media outlet, you can follow the Dudes of Kung Fu there as well. Both Big Sean Madigan and yours truly are on Twitter too. Dudes of Kung Fu is now also on Instagram, so tag it along with the hashtag Dudes of Kung Fu whenever you post something related to the podcast. A great way to support the Dudes is to rate and review it on either the iTunes or Android app stores. The written reviews are immensely more helpful than just giving us a five-star rating. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, please write us at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Please understand that neither Sean nor I can guarantee a response, but we will consider any serious suggestions. And finally, I ask that you help spread an open dialogue with other practitioners of martial arts. Chinese Kung Fu in particular has long since suffered from caustic political discourse, which can only change with you. Remember, the person you wholeheartedly disagree with doesn't love martial arts any less than you do. Take care, and thank you for supporting the Dudes of Kung Fu!